What's up, you guys? This podcast is about toxic masculinity. It is a set of behaviors and beliefs that include suppressing emotions or masking your distress, maintaining an appearance of hardness, or violence as an indicator of power. I believe this is the cause of many problems in this world, and step one is to talk about it. We're going to talk about our feelings, our ups, our downs, our experiences, and our solutions for a better future. Thank you so much for listening. Let's begin. Hey guys, welcome to Boys Will Be Human. My name is Josh Cannon. I'll be your host. We are starting a little differently today. We recorded about 10 minutes before and then the audio, something went wrong technically. So we had to restart on a Zoom call. So we are just picking it up from the beginning, but you will be talking to, you'll be hearing from one of my best friends. His name is Michael James Peterson. I've known him. We went over about over half of our lives since we were in high school. He is going to be my best man at my wedding and we share a great love for That's So Raven. And that's where we start. So you were telling me about when you met Chelsea? Oh man, it's glorious. From That's So Raven. Yeah, and then I almost, I was, uh, cause I I was, you know, I came out here to dance. And so Mm -hmm. Raven did something at my dance studio. I wanna say like three months after I left. I remember seeing it online and just feeling a, a huge pit of regret in my stomach 90 more days and i would have i would have met nikon back in the day you couldn't tell me anything so as well as our love for that's raven one thing that i know michael and i are very comfortable doing and what i wanted to talk about today is just crying overall now i don't think we both go into it like it's never an end goal you know what i mean like we don't strive to get to that emotional state but when it right. hap- when it happens we've just really not shied away from it or at least of recent maybe when we were younger before we met each other but i feel like as long as we've known each other i've always felt like you and i are comfortable with just doing that whether if it's in public or or private oh yeah i'm gonna cry like it's like it's not a i'm not gonna ask for permission <clears throat> no it's much more so of a it's to me, it's hard for me to understand how people don't cry. Same. Because I have so much emotion, right? When people are like, it's hard for me to cry. I was like, is it hard for you to breathe? Like that doesn't make, <laughs> that doesn't, that doesn't equate for me. Right. Yeah. Uh, is it hard for you to walk? Is it hard for you to like, I, I have to cry. It's not. Yeah. Because if I don't, I mean, not that I have to, right. I could choose not to, but then in about three, four months, it's going to be bad for everybody. So yeah, I say I gotta process my stuff. Yeah, I've never been like, oh man, I'm gonna cry. Uh, I was like, stop it, stop it, stop it. I've never done that. Yeah, no, that's but, super unhealthy. Yeah, it's I don't know. But, but I've I, watched my I've watched my my family members do it right, and I I understand it because it's interesting how you can grow up with people and have a completely different experience in the same house mm-hmm. with the same parent or parents. Um, and for some reason, I just didn't subscribe to that, to that, that, that thought of if I cry, I'm weak. Yeah, that's good. I was like, the only thing stopping me from blowing up this whole place is if I cry. <laughs> so y'all need to let me cry. Cause if not, we're all going down. So <laughs> I don't think I'm the same way where like, I don't feel like I was, I mean, I'm, I've never felt bad that I have to and I've scared some people not like terrifying or anything like that, but they've just like stepped back. I think that was more in college, but in high school it was like very welcomed and I didn't feel like an outsider or anything. I was like, yeah, like I cry cause I'm a, I'm a person. I don't know. 
it feels very simple for like it's i think it's obviously it's easier for you and i to do that even in a public space and i i understand if people don't want to do that in public like it's not like you have to do it in public or else you don't really do it or something like that it's just as, as long as i think is as long as you get it out at some point whether if you're alone or with a friend or in a small group or whatever it doesn't need to be like broadcasted on on instagram or anything like that I yeah like i safe. think gosh that's like an interesting i mean just for their own uh, health that they need to get it out but yeah but then part of me feels like sometimes you sometimes there's like completely necessary and essential like alone time cries yeah and then i think there are times when like you need to invite people in to, like you know what i mean because i agree um, yeah the emotions can can really take you over to a place like a it's it's like riding a bull yeah like emotion like you just sometimes you just don't know what you're gonna get and it can be emotions can be scary things when they haven't been consistently addressed and processed and handled and digested so if someone was like i'm gonna go cry for the first time in my 30 years of life alone i would be like mm, okay okay well let's let's talk when you're done because I just want to be here to help you walk through the beginnings of your emotional intellectual journey of learning to really take hold of this part of your human experience. Do you think you have an embarrassing cry? I've just thought of this. Oh man. It depends on what's happening, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, like do I, I always have the, uh, I have like different cries, right? Yeah. So if I'm watching a movie that has sad parts in it, um, I'm definitely gonna give you the that doesn't have to blink, but the the cries are coming out, like the tears are coming out. Yeah. Right. That one's pretty consistent. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh man, there's there's a few movies that have got me like really having to like put my face in a pillow and cry. Um. And it was it wasn't until I got married that this movie really like the first time I saw it, I was at, in high school. I think I was actually with some choir kids, Josh. Um, I went to see P.S. I Love You in the theaters. And I was so yeah, embarrassed. Because I was crying like the whole time. <laughs> I couldn't even stop myself. But then I got married, right? And I watched it. And I was watching it with my wife. And I was like, it just hit, it hit, it hit different, right? When yeah. you're married and, that, and you watch a movie like that. Uh-huh. And I remember I, I like laid down in bed. And my wife was like, what's wrong? And I was like. <laughs> I was just like that movie was so sad. <laughs> oh, um, I remember that movie because I worked at a movie theater when it came out, and I'd have to go in and check. <clears throat> I'd have to go in and check the the uh, the temperature of the theater sometimes, and so you'd have to walk in during the movie, and you know, I I can't explain to you how many times I heard the words, "P.S. I love you." I was like, oh my God, this oh my I was God. so annoyed by it that I'd never seen it. Uh but uh <laughs> that, <laughs> like, that that attempt at that accent was good. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> um uh but yeah, so uh that's so interesting that but I I definitely I definitely see how like movies at different stages of your life can affect you differently. I remember every time I've seen the notebook when I'm single, I'm dry as a bone. But if I'm with someone and I'm watching The Notebook, I'm like a puddle. That is super funny. I don't know what that is. I don't know what it means. I don't know. If, I don't think it's good, but it just, or like, it just is. I think it's just, I was like, oh yeah, that is sad, but I'm not, maybe because I'm not there, I'm not with someone. So whenever I was single and I watched it, 
Yeah. I mean, maybe I probably did cry when I watched when I was single, but not nearly. It wasn't as effective of a tearjerker when I was single. Oh, yeah. And then, like, um, one movie tore me up really bad was Endgame. Really? I see. I can see why people did that. I'm. Uh, it has me say? all, like, I was hurt because I have a daughter, right? And yeah. so like it it kind of just sneaks up on you right like yeah. the, the ending it kind of just happens and then all of a sudden and my well, I'm watching it with my wife and she's like and I'm like no 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 she's like what are you talking about and I I just <laughs> I just saw it happening and then it happened and for the last 20 minutes of the movie I was inconsolable I and and I've seen it three times since and every time I'm like oh maybe I'll cry less this time <laughs> Maybe maybe it won't hit as bad, and it still gets me every time. I totally get why people cry at them, but I, for me, I didn't cry. I like the movies, but I'm not like, I'm not a huge fan of them. And so when I saw that, and I saw people crying, I was like, oh, okay, I get that. But I'm just not there. Yeah, it's hard. Like as your life evolves, you know. Actually, I think that the whole crying thing, I think, and what I've experienced as well is that that's, that really starts to taper off as your life evolves into you being a husband and a father. Very rarely have I met, I think that there is a portion of the universe of men who are husbands and fathers who don't cry, but I, I would actually say the men who have, who have families who don't cry, I would actually say they're the minority versus the majority. I think when you're single, I think that the sing, as a single man and in your singlehood, you just don't have a lot of attachments to things that would even uh, promote or stimulate such kind of responses. But, and that's just saying, like, obviously, that's not saying that you don't have parents that you couldn't lose or family members, but yeah, uh, like, kind of like you said, like you watched The Notebook when you were dating and when it was like, mm, well, I mean, that's kind of sad, but I'm okay. Yeah. Um, but I think that a lot of it is for myself. Um, I know I'm not really in a good place if I haven't cried in a little bit because i that's just how I've always processed things. Right. And it's, I think that people view tears as this very dramatic thing. Yeah. Like there has like tears are only appropriate when X, Y, and Z happens, which is not true. I've, I've, I've just, I don't, I can't really <laughs> like explain. There hasn't been ever been a journey. I've always just been in this place. So, yeah. you know, if someone wanted me to explain to them why the sky was blue, I wouldn't really be able to. I'm like, mm, it's just always been blue, bro. Like, <laughs> like it, the water, it reflects the water or the, or the water reflects the sky. I don't know which, but like they're both blue. So it's just, yeah. it's blue. Yeah, and I and I just cry, and that's um, how it's been. That's how I've processed things. It's at a very young age I was able to just understand like this was how I was going to be able to process. Do you have any go tos? Like, obviously, you have like a, a certain movies, but have you ever have you ever put on a song or a movie to objectively cry? Like, oh, I need to cry, so I'm going to watch this because it's not healthy. I'm just saying, <laughs> I've done it myself. <laughs> No, for sure. I think everyone's done that. I think when I when I was younger, um, I would listen to a lot of Whitney Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my gosh, I don't know why I did this to myself. The Fault in Our Stars. Ooh, yeah. 
I was like, you know what? This was years ago, though. I was like, you know what? I need a good cry. I watched The Fallen on Stars. Mm-hmm. So, super regretted it. Just <laughs> like, what? What am I, a masochist? This is- yeah. Oh, 100. Yes, you are. <laughs> and yeah. so am I. <laughs> what am I doing to myself? Yeah. Um, but then, like, af- after, like, the movie ended, right? Then it was like, now that my heart was cracked open again, then I was like, oh, I'm actually feeling all these other things that I haven't addressed in the past you know, a few weeks or a few months because I've been too busy. Like, so it's, it, it did what it needed to do, but it, it was just like, not the, the, the most productive way to get there. I've definitely done that with the soundtrack to Dear Evan Hansen. I don't know if you ever heard the music, but um, it's a music, it, it was a musical on Broadway a couple of years ago. And the main character has anxiety and it's very polarizing because of like how he gets to the emotions is, controversial but for me i just take like why he's there and i attach myself to that and then i'm like oh my god this is how i feel like it's so (laughs) it's so bad but also like i'll watch this ending of the pursuit of happiness with will smith when he gets the job stop it stop it (laughs) on purpose and i'll be like Ah. damn it oh Oh my gosh, what was it on um oh, someone sent me something on Instagram the other day and I was, and I was literally I think it was in the in the bathroom watching it and I was like it's too early like I'm on the toilet like I just <laughs> it's all too much too quick too fast like but no there's there's definitely those go-tos for sure or um I will go in my car take my journal mm-hmm. um and I will just I I'm there cuz I I need to be way more consistent with journaling Mm-hmm. Uh, I was talking to my therapist about it. And you know, it's so crazy is I had two therapists at my job the other day, right? And I was like, you know, that I said the hardest or the biggest blemishes in my human experience I've had as a married individual, right? I think with my, I didn't, I was, I did not have a deep enough understanding of how my trauma was going to play into my relationship with my wife mm-hmm. because of the only the only other deep intimate relationship I ever had was with my mother. And that was so, so toxic and so destructive. And you got to see a lot of it as well mm-hmm. throughout high school. And then the only other close like relationship was then my wife. And I didn't know that there was just gunpowder everywhere yeah. internally. And so the things I've done, the things I've said, and I was telling them, I was like, you know, there's this, this regret I can feel. I, I can look back right at that Michael. I was two years, three years ago and feel so much regret. And yet I understand I've been able to process much more. Right. And I can understand. I said, there was times when I felt like I wasn't even like conscious in those moments where I was being triggered. And then she said, you know what? You should journal to that Michael. And I, my eyes welled up and I was like, I gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So even at work, right. Just have being in places where I'm like, you know, woof, like, not that I didn't want to cry because I did, but I was like, obviously I'm at work and it's inappropriate to do so. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, but I was telling, I later on the moment I got off, like I, I, I just marinated on that and I let myself feel the, the emotions that I had never had someone prompt me to, to write a letter to my younger, very damaged reactional self. Cause my therapist has been really, she every we always end a session with like Michael needs to be compassionate towards yourself. And I'm just having these realizations of I have really 
sometimes nonsensical expectations of who I'm supposed to be and operate in areas that I haven't even healed yet. It's almost like having a cast on both legs and expecting myself to run a marathon. Like that doesn't, that makes literally no sense. But that's like, that's the extremities I can have of myself. Sorry, that was a little bit of a, to the left. Um, (laughs) I don't think it's to the left. I think it's great. You can talk as much about that as you want. Like it's like, you're not gonna, I'm not gonna stop you. So, but I'm the the same way. Like I have, I should journal more. And whenever I do, it's weird that every time I have, I feel better. Every time I have, I feel better. Even if it's, it might be in varying degrees, but I've never felt worse after doing it. Right. Right. And there's days where I'm like, "Eh, I don't need to journal, Eh, whatever. And then I feel, I, I don't feel horrible when I don't, but I look at back my I look back at my actions of the day and I think like how could I feel better and whatever there's so many but I just don't know why I don't do it more often and it just but, like, you never regret the run that you took you know what I mean they're like yeah no like I'm never like man I just I just wish I totally did do those squats yeah like, no they were hard but like I feel better like it's one of those things it's one of those uh, emotional exercise like that you don't ever regret yeah and even if like like i'll write it and i'll know that this is just for me i for some reason like i'll put so much pressure because it's because it's handwritten and i have like chicken scratch writing so i get self-conscious about that but even though it's just for me i just need to get it out i'll still like take a step back and think is this writing good enough <laughs> like i won't even think like oh these are just my thoughts i need to get it out i'll still think like well it's not good writing so um it doesn't work and it's horrible because I, for me, I just need to get it on the page. Right. Just to get it out of my head. Man. Do you feel like as far as you and your emotions and how you approach crying, right? Do you feel like you're able to process them better or do you feel most, most comfortable alone or are you kind of someone who can, who's like, I actually prefer to cry in the presence of another individual or like, how do you, how do you feel about that? I definitely feel comfortable crying alone. Sometimes I get over dramatic and I just like plop down on the floor and then even like myself outside of myself is like, really like on the floor. Like I'll think like, I'll judge myself about that. Right. Like, this, like no one's watching, but do you need to be this dramatic? Um, like I'll get like a carpet rug burn on my face. <laughs> I'm just like, this is worth it. This is it. This is part of it. <laughs> um, I cry a lot in front of my fiance and it's like a lot of the cries with my fiance. It's like, did you watch SpongeBob? Of course. Okay. During that time where he cries and he like lets it all in and he like becomes this bigger sponge and then he like lets it all out and he like becomes this like very flat, thin sponge. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm like that or like, I'm pretty much like that. If I let it really out, I kind of just like fall and she holds me where I'm like a, not like a lifeless, but I'm just like, I'm just like, I don't want to move any muscle and I just need to, the only thing I want moving are these tears out of my eyes and my Mm. breath. Like, it's just like that, like giving all of my pride and all my thoughts over to this experience. So there's that I've cried in public a few times and I think it's a situation for me. It's, if it feels uncomfortable to other people, then I'll, I'll hide it uh, horribly, but I'll, I won't like, I won't like 
ugly cry or whatever in front of people if it's uncomfortable. If it's a hard situation and I can't do anything else, then I'll just let it I'll let it go. I've obviously cried in front of my wife a ton. Mm-hmm. Movies, different scenarios, and then public speaking, right? I can't I've cried in the pulpit so many times. But I think it's I think it's actually the hardest to allow myself to be comforted when I cry. Part of me feels like it, it can almost be distracting, right? Because I'm like trying to process what I feel, but at the same time, a lot remain open to this other person that's present. The whole like hug and cry. Like I'm always a person that like will give someone a hug and embrace them, and like they're crying to my shoulder. But like I'm a really big guy, so <laughs> that experience for me can be a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> distracting you know what i mean i think that that can kind of creep in my head sometimes like i'm uncomfortable um physically not emotionally but like this is just not a fun place to be yeah um, but then also with jasmine i think i have to and this is once again part of the trauma thing is like learning to be a hundred percent acknowledging that i'm that i am safe with her right because I'll, it's so crazy I'm like these compartments in our psyche and how I'm like no like of course she's my friend like she's my best friend she's my wife mm-hmm. she has no intent to hurt me and yet when I'm in those emotional those very deep emotional spaces all I've ever known is a lack of safety and so really having to focus on making the conscious decisions in the moment to let her in to let her comfort me because it's actually like, like a deep wanting, right? Like who doesn't want to be comforted? Yeah, of course. But at the same time, like this, this fear that I don't know that, it, that it actually maybe won't, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's just interesting. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I, cause there's obviously varying degrees of like when I've cried, why I've cried, how I've cried in front of my, in front of my wife. But I commend you for being so, um, so forthright and open and willing in that arena. I mean, it's, it's very nice to say. I just, it's, it's hard to think like it's an accomplishment because like, I'm like what you said, it's like, you've always been, there was no journey. You feel like you've just always been there. And I feel the same way where it's like, I don't feel like I, I didn't really have to like relearn myself or reflect on why I cried. I just always did. And so I'm glad I can be open with that. And with, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not an open book. I can't like, not every emotion is as accessible as easily accessible to me as ironically as sadness and crying. Um, But I hope people that aren't, that can't access it as easily. I hope it helps listening to this. I'm really bad at taking compliments like that. <laughs> if you couldn't tell. I know, Josh. You've only, it's, it's kind of like your thing. Yeah. Mm, okay. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Was there someone in your family or, or a friend that, or an experience you had with someone who wasn't really big into crying or really open and then they did? Like, did that ever have like an effect on you? Um, I remember, oh my gosh. So it was... Christmas like maybe seven years ago six years ago mm-hmm. and my brother gave my mom his car he got another one and it was like a, it was still like a really good car but she didn't have one at the time he like he uh she opened it and like it was the pink slip that was already like signed in her name and mm-hmm. she just started crying and then my whole family started crying <laughs> 
And like we've never cried together ever. Like that was it was crazy. I was like, yo. Yeah. Part of me wanted to be like, this is what white people do. Like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? It was just it felt like an out-of-body experience. Like it was like, oh, this is this is is this this is what normalcy feels like, right? Mm. Um we've never all cried together before and never cried together since. So it was a really cool moment for my family. I probably yeah, I, I won't ever forget that, but it was it was crazy. It, it I, it's just my mom just never really cries. So we seeing her cry like that, we all were like it was one of those like happy cries, right? Where you're like crying but you're kind of like laughing that and you're like oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So it was cool. I just love how those can affect people in the best way, I guess. I mean, I remember when my dad, I've only seen my dad cry once, which I don't even remember what it was about, but we were in my sister's room in his house and it just, obviously it did not happen recently. I think I was, I was 12 or 13, but seeing that happen, I was just like, oh wow, like this is, this is real. Like this, he's, he really feels this way because he's never done this in front of my face before. Right. And like when my grandma unfortunately passed when I was eight years old, I saw my uncles cry. And that was the first time um, I think that I had seen them cry. But do you think people give people a pass on crying? Like if it's like at a funeral or a, or wedding or maybe their age? I think that they, I think society has done certain things like where they have set parameters and standards for what's appropriate for crying, which I believe is a complete idiotic concept that i need permission from someone else about my crying like that just doesn't yeah um it doesn't work it doesn't work for me so um but i definitely think that of course people people would say you know the most important moments in your life and the hardest moments of your life it's it would be totally okay for you to do so i think there there's there's no such thing as an appropriate you can't step into someone else's experience and let them know when an appropriate or any inappropriate time is to cry like that that's offensive i think it's beautiful when people cry at weddings and you know when people when there's loss i believe it's obviously very appropriate and people are grieving but i think also in moments of that we almost expect it as well so i don't want to put like this parameter of like when people choose not to cry yeah because like i feel like you want to, you want people to get the emotion out, but I also do believe it's tough because I do believe there's a time and place. It depends on where you are. I feel like, like I don't know. It's so tough. Like if you're at work, it might not be the best to, or it might not be perceived as the best if you're like in a conference room in a meeting, right? But nor should they be, what quote unquote punished for it. So it's like, why wouldn't it be safe, or why would it not be a good idea? I don't know, because there are, there are times and places where I think like, oh, this is like, I'll deal with this later, but like right here in line at Vons, I really shouldn't let it go. And then I get to my car and then it comes out. I don't know, it's like, I, I feel like I can't, I can't say like, emote whenever you can. And then also say like, well, there's a time and place, you know, like it's, it's, uh, it's complicated. I think in public arenas, I mean, there are obviously times when like you can't hold it in. Yeah. And being respectful of that, but I think there's also just a decorum to other people's experiences as well. I think there are moments when 
you choosing to be vulnerable is actually helping and teaching others. But then yeah. there could be, there are moments when it, you're, it it is a call for attention, when it is not from a genuine place of like, I'm just, and I can't hold it back right now, but really almost seeking, wanting the comfort, right? From, from strangers or from whoever. Um, I think that those cards can be played as well. So I've definitely seen some people crying without the motivation of really obviously trying to process but really it was them just wanting attention has anyone ever told you like that you're weak because you cry or not masculine i think what people haven't said it but i think they've assumed it right they've made but actually especially in church right it's i've had the most experience with the opposite of that where people have commended and thanked me for being vulnerable on that kind of a level because it has helped them, right? It's helped them connect, it's taught them, it's... But I think in, that's a that's a community within a community, right? So the church or the mm-hmm. um, religious world has a different perspective on stuff like that. That's I think true. society at large, um, view, it, I think it's only scary because we make it scary. Yeah. I think people are. I think people are just afraid of men's emotions because there's been no space for them. And so mm-hmm. what's foreign and what you don't know, you fear. Yeah, that's why everyone, like why I remember my dad crying and my mom's cried a thousand times. But when my dad cries that one time, I'm just like, what? And that was 18 years ago. Right, like you like never forgot it. Yeah. But when my mom cried, you're like, yeah, well, mom's crying again. Yeah, I'd say the same thing. I wouldn't like be like, oh gosh, like she's crying. But I, I wouldn't be like, it wouldn't stand out in a negative way or like in a surprising way. It was just like, Oh, she's going through something. So she's crying. Okay. Right. She's sad right now. Okay. That's fine. That's, you know, that's where she is. So, okay. Do you think people haven't told you because of your size? Uh, Why why would they call it out? And maybe they don't know how you'll react. So they don't want to like, they think that you'll do something. uh, Maybe. I mean, that would be a funny situation. I think people just don't feel comfortable saying that to men in general. Like, hey, by the way, like you really weirded me out when you cried. It could, my size could be a, a motivation to not say that because they don't want to get killed. <laughs> well, that, I mean, I, I just can't imagine someone having having that kind of inner thought gall, like this the audacity. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but but human beings are as varied as they come, and I don't, I wouldn't put it past anybody because I've met some very disrespectful people in my life. Before we go, I just wanted to ask you, what is one thing you like about yourself that is not societally masculine? I love being a dancer and being that type of an artist to move my my body in, in a way where that wasn't, that probably wasn't, that didn't look initially um, masculine, but that it doesn't have to be, right? It's, it's, an, uh, it's an expression that has no words. Mm. Um, and so I think that that's one of, that's the thing that I love about myself most is that I'm a dancer and um, I've learned to express myself through my body Um, and most dancers aren't seen as masculine men even though they have like the the best bodies (laughs) on the planet (laughs) literally well I guess no sorry that's a problem no that's the problem I'm seeing masculine as strong dang man it creeps up on you wow uh shoot I think that's I think that's fantastic. You are a very good dancer. I remember you did a, a talent show in high school, and you you basically you had your it felt like you had your ankle at your shoulder. Uh, it was it's called a bot mom. <laughs> All right, 
right. um yeah no it was uh yeah i remember i remember that talent show that was like my first like performance as a like not not even as a dancer like no training man that was a that was the that was the beginning of what would be my little dance career ahead <laughs> well michael thank you so much for taking time out of your day i know you're very busy with work and you have a oh my god how old is grace a year She's and 20 months 20 months okay so you have a 20 month year old daughter so in quarantine so thank you so much for taking time out of your day to do this and i of love you of course Thank you for having me. I love you. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. So one thing I forgot to ask him at the end was where can we find him? Uh, You can find Michael on Instagram. His handle is MichaelJPOnline. And him and his wife are starting a new web series. It is called It's the Petersons. That is P-E-T-E-R-S-O-N, just like their last names. Thanks again for listening. If you liked this episode, go ahead and share with someone who might benefit from hearing it. You can subscribe and get our new episodes every week. Tag us on Instagram at Boys Will Be Human, and you can join more conversations over at the Facebook Boys Will Be Human community page. And please leave a review. Reviews are crucial, especially for new podcasts like this one. The music is by Polaroid Bear. Check out his music at his website in the show notes. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you soon.